What's up, runners? On this week's episode of the Up and Running podcast, I'm finally going to be discussing my DNF story from Houston Marathon. I'm going to be talking about what actually transpired on the day of the marathon, the emotional and physical fallout after the marathon, and what I am now shifting my energy towards at the beginning of 2023. So stay tuned and enjoy. What's up, runners? This is the Personalized Running Doc. I'm a runner rehab specialist, running coach, and competitive distance runner. And throughout the early years of my running career, I was plagued with repetitive injuries and told by many a professional that it was my body's own fault, that my body wasn't built for running. So either I could quit or just live with the pain. I decided to choose option three, dive into the science behind running and training, which is what allowed me to return to running pain-free and continue chasing after my own PRs to this day. And now I'm gonna tell you all that I have learned along the way and how I coach my own athletes to do the same. This is the Up and Running Podcast. All right, runners, I am ready to officially talk about it. My DNF from Houston Marathon. Uh, Honestly, I'm still pretty frustrated by the day. So as a quick recap of like my training leading up to Houston, Houston was actually never the goal. The goal was... New York City Marathon, which was in November. And so I started training um, in the mid of July for New York. And unfortunately, New York ended up being a really hot and humid day. I had to decide mid-race whether or not to try to continue at pace or pull back. And I pulled back because I knew if I continued at pace, I probably would have ended up in the med tent. And so walked away from New York super grateful for the crowds and the love and the support and the like just absolute awe and inspiration that I got from running the marathon. It was an incredible experience, but also a bit sad the fact that I did not get to reach my goal that day. And I was okay with it. I was okay with walking away, but I think what solidified me deciding to then go on and continue training for Houston was I did uh, run a week later and it felt as though I was like fully recovered already at that point. I was able to maintain my usual average pace with no problem. And that right there told me that I did not get to push myself at New York at the capacity that I really wanted to. And that was what essentially made my decision to do Houston like become a reality. And so I continued my training for two and a half months up until Houston and I ended up getting food poisoning that day. Now I think the most likely culprit of that was the Thai food that I decided to get as takeout the night before. That's something that I do as like almost a tradition prior to my races that will now be changing because I think I'm scarred for life. But I tried to do my research and I thought I was choosing from a reputable place and it unfortunately backfired and woke up the next morning already having to run to the bathroom. And I was hoping that maybe it was nerves just because of the fact that I was traveling, I was alone, I didn't have any support system like I did in New York, in Houston, uh, which again was my choice and I knew that I was going into it with that, but it obviously was not that. Um, I got myself ready. I decided to actually, instead of like fueling the same exact way that I kind of prefaced in my previous episodes um, where I talked about my race plan, I decided to like back off on that a bit. So I still had my breakfast of like my bagel and banana and peanut butter. I had my coffee like I planned, but instead of 
increasing the or preloading as much with um, Morton gel mix, um, I decided, or drink mix, I should say, I decided not to do that because I thought that that was going to only irritate my stomach even further. And I actually went back to sleep for an extra half hour um, and got up and then proceeded to walk to the starting line from there and was in and out of the porta potties the entire time um, before the start of the race, before I had to get into the corral. The weird thing about Houston Marathon was in the actual like corrals based upon like your time seed, there wasn't any porta potties, which was actually pretty frustrating. And it's like, that's exactly where you want the porta potties to be, but there wasn't any. Um, so I had to kind of plan for that. And I waited essentially until the last minute until like the corrals were closing. And of course, that was when like my stomach started to rumble even more. And I was just like, we're just going to see maybe, maybe things will improve as the race goes on. I think it's like that ignorance is bliss type of like mentality that you're trying to just like not you're not trying to think about how things could go bad at that point because like they're already starting to go south um so I was hoping that maybe a Hail Mary would come through but unfortunately I mean I knew as soon as the race started within a couple of miles that I was working a lot harder than or it felt like I was working a lot harder than I was intending it to be. And I think I said again in the previous episode where I talked about my race plan that I was welcoming the marathon to become hard. But I was thinking that that difficulty level, that level of like mental toughness and fortitude that I was going to need was going to happen at like mile 18 and on, not at mile three. Um, So there was even a point where because the half marathon and the marathon go off at the same time for Houston, that when people were turning for the half marathon, I was like, maybe I should just do that. Maybe I should just turn and do the half marathon and finish that because I think I can get through that. Um, But I decided to take the turn for the marathon because I was like, well, I don't know if that would even count. So I just turned for the marathon and went in the opposite direction. And I don't even think maybe two miles later was when I decided to pull out um, and I stopped and I walked and I found a um, volunteer and they brought me to the med tent. I had a pretty frustrating experience with the med tent, Um, was waiting there for probably over an hour for the like transport to bring me back to the starting line. Um, But It wasn't just one bus that I had to get. I had to get one transport from the med tent to another bus depot. Essentially, like they just like had another bus parked in a different area. Um, And then that bus took us to the starting line from there. And again, waited at the med tent for about an hour. At this point, again, I was 15K into the race. I was pretty sweaty. It wasn't like a very cool day. It wasn't a very super hot day, but you're still sweating um, when you're running for almost 10 miles. So I was pretty sweaty. They didn't have like great blankets. So they didn't have like your typical like space heat blankets. They just gave me a sheet. So I was essentially sitting in my sweat in a then wet sheet. Um, So that was making me cold. That was making me shiver. Wasn't making me feel any better. And then from there went on the bus when it finally arrived to get to the second bus and was probably again on that bus for another hour 
and then finally got dropped off to the bus depot and got on the second bus and that bus then bussed us to the starting line um again i didn't have anybody there so once i got to the starting line i essentially like one beelined it off the bus because i was still feeling like absolute garbage um and then just walked back to my hotel room because i didn't have my phone on me at the time i knew that people were tracking me i knew people probably were messaging me and so i wanted to get back there as quickly as possible to be able to kind of communicate with my family and friends that i was safe i was okay i just had decided not to obviously continue the race that i dropped out um But because of that, and because they didn't really have anybody, any race officials, like, meeting us at the bus depot drop-off at the start, I didn't end up getting my shirt like I was supposed to, because they were only giving the marathoners and half-marathoners their shirts afterwards, so I do not have any, like, race memorabilia from that. I also did not get my medal, and, like, yeah, I did not finish, but, like, I still attempted I still tried and the previous race that I was a part of a couple years back in 2018 where I DNF they still gave me all of those things as like again memories and even though those were painful memories to have at the time of that exact moment when I my had my first DNF in Utah um I'm I'm now grateful that I have those things because it's something that I can now look back on and be like I, I tried, it was a great attempt, um, but it wasn't my day. And it's something that I learned a lot from actually in that moment with my training. And it's not that this race experience and the things that I've learned will go away because I don't have the shirt and I don't have the race medal, but it's kind of almost like the principle of the fact for me with how much, again, how much I like spent to get to the race and how much effort and time went into it you, you still kind of want that hey I I did this I put this effort and you want that that memorabilia to have um and to to be able to remind yourself of but neither of those things happened so got back to the hotel I let everybody know that I was safe um immediately showered and then just like crawled into bed essentially for the remainder of the afternoon Um, ended up taking my temperature later in the day and it was over a hundred degrees. Um, and just like essentially put myself back into bed for the remainder of the night and tried to get some food and some electrolytes in me later in the evening. But that food poisoning experience then continued probably for another four days. So I had to deal with that while I was traveling the next day to get home. Um, and then went back to work on Tuesday and was still kind of like not feeling 100%. So that's essentially like the recap of what happened that day. To kind of talk about essentially also why I decided to take some time away from talking about what happened that day and talking about how I felt afterwards and then also like the physical of like trade for so long to only like not have that opportunity it was very um triggering and like I use that word because it's something that like I've worked on with my therapist to kind of identify triggers of other experiences and so the fact that I just had that recent experience in New York that was very like almost un it it didn't kind of meet the standard of what I was hoping for. Um, And 
walked away feeling unsatisfied with how I was able to perform that day. Houston then very much brought up that exact feeling, but it, when things like that happen to that degree, your, and then happen in a short period of time, your body's response essentially elevates. And so it's going to almost heighten that emotion even more. And then again, I've had a DNF in the past and I remember how I felt after that DNF. And that one was also a race, a marathon that I traveled to in Utah that I was alone for, didn't have any support system there. And it again, reminded me of that entire experience. And it was just a jolt to my system. And I think that was one of the reasons why I was okay with talking about what happened in Houston and being very open and honest about like what happened and how I was feeling, but I didn't want to go into those emotions in depth and didn't have the words to actually put that into a conversation like I'm having today. And so each of, each of those experiences essentially resulted in a further trigger of me being unsatisfied and feeling cheated and then further kind of like going into the mindset of having some doubt as a runner. And I think that's very normal and I think it's important that I talk about those things, but it can also be very isolating to kind of like feel that way when everybody around you is also kind of like trying to lift you up and like tell you that like, oh no, you don't need to feel that way. Cause like, it's not true. And I get that. It's not true. I, I am a runner. I am capable. I am very strong and I, I've done so much of my training, but I'm still having these feelings and I needed to kind of sit in those feelings and absorb those feelings and appreciate those feelings before just kind of dismissing them and telling myself like those aren't valid. Like those aren't real emotions. They're valid, but they're not real. That's your anxiety. That's, that's other emotions that are making you kind of feel that way. And that's your your ego. Really, that's what it is. It was my ego kind of getting in my own head at that point. And I needed to let my ego kind of sit back and like feel that way and feel frustrated and feel upset and um, annoyed and let myself have that self-doubt to then be able to pull myself out of that for afterwards, after a couple of days, um, and then the last couple of weeks to reflect and be able to see that that experience, yes, it was not what I wanted. And the hope of obviously not only finishing strong, but getting a hopeful PR did not happen. And those can be really like frustrating. And I'm going to probably use that word another like 20 times in this podcast. But I also need to respect and understand that one day or even two days of my running career do not define me and do not take away from all of the work, all of the days, all of the time and the effort and the successful workouts that I did from July to January because I did so many great workouts and I walked away from so many of them feeling so inspired and so confident and so happy. Does that all of a sudden become like discounted because of the fact that those workouts didn't 
actually like that work that I did didn't actually come to fruition in the marathon. No, those workouts still were like there and they still counted and they still improved my fitness and tested my fitness. It's just New York wasn't the right day to be able to race my race and Houston wasn't the right day to be able to race my race. And it was two external factors that were relatively out of my control once they were in motion between the weather and then having food poisoning. Yes, I could have put some stops in place to kind of prevent the food poisoning from happening and believe you and me, I will be doing that going forward. But once it started, there was no kind of like taking that out of the equation. So now going forward, it's, I just know I'm trying to keep my mental headspace of reminding myself of, again, how much work I put in, how much time I put in, how many good workouts that I did have over the course of the last six months. And all of those things counted and all of those things will improve my fitness and make it possible for the next time for me to reach my goals. So that was kind of like the mental side of things of like how that experience triggered me in feeling what I was feeling again on the day of New York and my previous do not finish in Utah Um, and how I needed to kind of let myself sit with those feelings, sit with my ego for a little bit and let that simmer before I actually started to like counteract that and readdress it in a way that like reminded me that like I do have a power here and I do have the ability to move forward from this experience and learn so much from it and be able to also recognize not only did I learn so much obviously with being a little a bit more careful with my food choices (laughs) leading up to a marathon um, but the learning that I did in terms of my training and what I felt was really working for me to feel so fit by the time that I did get to Houston. Um, Now moving into the physical side of things, I had some people actually offer to work with me um, and the next weekend like try and go at like just running my own marathon Um, on the bike path in Rhode Island to be able to just like finally say that like I could run that time but honestly guys I was tired I was so tired mentally and physically I was just very like tapped out at that point between all of the training that I had put under my body and not only that but during the past six months so much of my life has like personally changed as well um went through a breakup and had to kind of deal again with the fallout of that and that can again that with other losses can trigger emotions so all of those things were still like in the the wheelhouse of what was going on and that as well as again how much effort and time and money went into me training the past six months I just needed a break and so I obviously did not did not take up that person on that offer. I appreciated it, but I was just, I was like, nope, I'm done. And that was something that I had actually promised myself and my family and friends after New York that yes, I was going to go for this one more chance, but if it didn't happen, if it didn't go my way, I was willing to just like take a break and stop training for a while. 
because I knew one that my body needed it and two that like I couldn't keep sacrificing certain parts of my life to the same degree that I had been for the last six months. I needed to shift my priorities a little. A little. I needed to shift my energy to allow myself to recover, to rest. And so I've been taking a break and that's where I've been for the last couple of weeks since Houston. The first week after Houston, I was still recovering from food poisoning, so I didn't work out at all. I just mainly walked and was trying to get my nutrition back on track um, and trying to be able to enjoy food again. The second week, I started to incorporate strength training while still walking. Um, Sagan has gotten so many walks and he's been very much loving it. And then the week after that was still strength training. And then last week I was away on vacation and I was cross training essentially the entire week um, as I was skiing up in New Hampshire. So I hadn't run in four weeks before I actually went out for my first run, which I did um, recently. And it was hard. It was slow and it was very short, but that's what the what I had the capacity to do. And so that's how I kind of decided to take a break from running. And I needed that again, I needed that break from running and I needed a break from talking about my running, um, to be able to come back and, and want to come back. And by the time that that fourth week came, I was like, yeah, I'm ready to put on my running shoes. I'm ready to go for this run and actually put that effort out there again and start this rebuilding process. And I think that that's something that runners need to, understand and incorporate more into their routines is let yourself take that break. You're one, you're guaranteed to lose fitness. I definitely lost fitness in the last four weeks of not running. That being said, I couldn't maintain the level of fitness that I was at for any longer because it was actually doing detriment to my body, to my physical and my emotional and my mental health. It being in that high intensity state for so long I mean I was I was having to make sacrifices in terms of the social engagements that I would do I had to be still very regimented about my nutrition and my hydration and my sleep and all of those things are going to obviously impact your quality of life outside of running was it worth it absolutely because I had a goal in mind and I was willing to make those sacrifices at the time for that goal but once that day moved on and I was no longer like having to put that effort and focus towards the marathon I was ready to shift my energy to actually like enjoy being with my my friends again making more social engagements at a priority shifting my training away from running so that I got to miss running a little bit and during this time I'm focusing on building a lot of strength and building a very strong base so that when I come back to running, I'm in a really fit position to work on speed, which is something that like is my priority in the next couple of months. So it's okay to take a break. It's okay to take an extended period so that when you want to come back to running, you actually want to come back to running versus feeling like you have to come back to running because you have something on the calendar. Now I do have something on the calendar. I have covered Bridges Half Marathon in June, but it is far enough away at this point with where my level of training has been and what my fitness level is and the fact that I've continued to 
workout in some capacity that I don't need to immediately jump into another structured training. I can give myself this time and this space. And that has, again, allowed me to come back to running in a space that I want to be running again. And I also want to be lifting more right now. So I'm doing the things that I love and I'm doing them in a frequency that works for me right now. And over the next month, now that I've started to run again, but I'm still lifting, that frequency and the intensity will start to shift so that I get to prioritize running a little bit more, but it's going to happen slow, slowly over the course of another month. And so again, by the time that I get to that mid-March um, period, I again, will want to be working a little bit harder for running. I'm going to have the energy to want to come back to it versus feeling like I'm constantly pushing forward. Now, if you're somebody that enjoys that constant like cycle, that's great. I still always promote people taking time between races, between big races that if you have a big goal for, to take the time to to reflect on your previous training cycle and to take some time off so that, again, it doesn't feel like running becomes a job because we're not getting paid for it. And this should be something that we're doing just for the joy of running. So physically, I'm, again, healthy again after having food poisoning. And over the next month or over the last month I've been prioritizing building strength um, with more strength training and now I'm reincorporating running and I'm going to build my base level of endurance back slowly over the next four to six weeks from here and then from there I'm going to start another formalized training so I'm really giving myself two full months um, to allow my body to reacclimate to running and also allow my headspace to reacclimate to running so that it feels like something I want to do versus something that I have to do. And that's what works for me. And so I, again, encourage people to try to take that time to figure out what works for you and take the space and take the, the time to, to reorganize that for yourself because everybody's different. So what is next? I kind of mentioned just now that I do have Covered Bridges Half Marathon in June, um, and that is where I'm going to be turning my focus to. In the meantime, I am going to be figuring out the rest of my year. I think in, again, another one of my episodes earlier in the year, I talked about how I wanted to do a 100-mile relay race up in Vermont, and I've just realized now that also, while I was away on my skication, as I called it, I looked at my goals and it just wasn't going to be possible with the other things that I had planned around that time because that time is usually when I'm working at two separate camps up north in Vermont and in New Hampshire and doing a hundred mile race in between <laughs> those camps was probably just going to burn me out even further because the camps do require a lot of energy with so many kids um, and projects and responsibilities that I have. So I am looking to run covered bridges. I'm the race that I've now decided that I want to do over the summer that I've wanted to do for a really long time is going to be the Loon Mountain Race, which is the beginning of July. 
Um, hopefully that aligns. I still have to check dates on that, but hopefully that aligns with that and I will be able to say I can run up a mountain. It will be probably very slow, but the goal will just to be run up a mountain and have a lot of fun. And then my last goal for my goal race for the year will be most likely California International Marathon, which is in December. But I'm still in a space right now, again, because Houston just happened a month ago. I don't want to sign up just yet. I don't want to put that pressure on myself and have that in the back of my mind that I am 100% in on that. And when writing my goals on my skate-cation for my business, for my personal, um, and for my running, my goal is essentially just to run, uh, to race CIM. And I'm not even putting a number on it anymore. I'm not going to put any time goals. Will I train at a certain level? Absolutely. Because again, I know what my fitness is and I want to be testing that and I want to be propelling that forward, but I'm not going to be putting any time goals on myself because of my most recent experiences. I, I need to take a break from those external factors and just focus on the joy of training for a marathon and and enjoy that process again. Um, And that's not to say that I didn't feel that way while I was training for New York or while I was training for Houston. But when, again, your experience, when you experience a loss like that and you did have an, an expectation in your mind, it can... To, to continue trying for it can almost then create more anxiety um, versus relief that like you could potentially be getting like the satisfaction of finally reaching that goal. And so versus giving myself any anxiety, I just, my goal right now will be to sign up for CIM in the next couple of months um, and plan to race it come December of 2023. But that is essentially my race recap of Houston Marathon, what actually happened that day, the mental and emotional and physical fallout that happened during and afterwards that of having that experience, and where I'm going now, where I'm turning my sights to. And like I said, right now, it's primarily just to refocus um, my training on building a lot of strength during this time before I return to more of a structured program. And that is to give myself a break from training um, and the intensity that it requires and the sacrifice that it requires. There's no fault in kind of like naming a spade a spade. It To be able to train and run these longer races, half marathons, marathons, they require sacrifice. Um, and depending upon what your goal is, you may have to sacrifice more things than other people will have to sacrifice. And that is okay to either say like, I'm willing to sacrifice this or you're not. And that is also fine. The beauty of running. And again, this is something that I reminded myself when I was kind of feeling like down after Houston is that however you want to show up, however fast, slow, or long distance, or whether you race or not, if you put on running shoes and you go outside and you go for a run of your own volition, you're not running away from something and you're not running after 
a ball or something else, like you're a runner, welcome to the club. And like, that's, that is the only stipulation that like this sport has is like that you're going out there and you're trying, you're doing something selectively for yourself. You're taking that time for that physical and emotional and mental break via running. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and stay tuned for next time. But that is all for today's episode of the Up and Running podcast. I hope you enjoyed and had some key takeaways from today's episode. If there are other questions or topics that you are looking for me to dive into, please reach out to me via Instagram and shoot me a DM at the personalized running doc today. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.